We are so thankful for faithful missionaries. I'm thankful for men of God who are willing to go and carry the gospel into lands that we've never maybe even heard of except for fancy movies uh, or anything like that. You know, I just think about um, the sacrifices that have been given uh, so that others could hear. And I just can't, can't help but thank God that you're willing to give, you're willing to pray, but I thank God most of all that this family is willing to go. And may God continue to call out of our midst people to go to the mission field. Brother Long, we are so thankful for you, and we give God the glory. For thank the you so doing. much. Thank you so much. And I am so thankful, as Pastor said, he's thankful for faithful missionaries. I'm thankful for faithful churches to make sure that we can stay faithful on the mission field. Uh, for those of you who don't know us, I want before I show my video, I want to just uh, reintroduce myself. Obviously, my name is Phil Long. I've been with you all day. And unfortunately, I could only talk one of my family members into coming, and that's my youngest son, Deacon. But everybody actually has a good excuse as to why they're not here. My oldest and only daughter, some boy, married her, and, and they are now missionaries over in Germany. My son-in-law is actually a very good, uh, good man. They're missionaries over in Germany. Their desire is to work with displaced peoples, specifically uh, Islamic peoples who are flow, uh, flowing into Germany as refugees. And so they have just been there a few months. They raised their support and are there now. So that's why Tabitha is not with me. Uh, my wife, her name is, is Vala. That's probably who I should have started out with. But uh, my wife's name is Vala. She is actually up with some very dear friends. Um, they are having their 50th wedding anniversary. And they asked Vala a few months ago if she would coordinate that, uh, that gathering that they're having there. And so her and, and another lady that from our home, our sending church, uh, who is also one of the coordinators, the event coordinators, are working on that. So that's why Val is not here. She wishes that she could be here. And for some reason, I guess she thought that we were supposed to be here this morning. And I told her, no, it's uh, when she committed to that. I said, no, baby, it's... We're there at nighttime, so uh, so that's why she's not here. But then my middle son, his name is Gabriel, and he is studying missions at Bolivar at SBU. Um, he's getting ready to go into his senior year. He finishes up his junior year this next week, and then he has uh, got to do a year, a, a year, a semester abroad with another missionary. And I'm hoping and praying that missionary is me. But we will see. He has his heart set on going to Japan. And while well, I am dad, I can't play the Holy Spirit. So, uh, but we'd love to have him there. But you pray for him as he, is, uh, as he is seeking guidance from the Lord where he will go to be a missionary. And then my oldest son, his name is Philip. He just got out of the Navy. He, uh, and he is now a government contractor working, with, uh, working on the same equipment, making a lot more money that he... Uh, that he did when he was in the Navy. So he's doing quite well and lives out in San Diego, uh, close to the ship where he was stationed at. So that's our family. What I want to do is I want to show uh, our video, kind of give you uh, a summary of what has happened over the last four or five years as, as we've been gone. And then I want to come up, and I've got some pictures. We're going old school tonight. I don't have a projector, but I've got some pictures I want to show you that have some stories behind them of where your investment has gone 
into Madagascar because I think it's important for us to understand that we could not do what we do if it weren't for our supporters, not only financial supporters, but prayer supporters holding us up and lifting us up back here in the United States. So let's show that video first and then I'll get up here and, and talk about our stories. Hello, my name is Phil Long. My name is Vala. And we are your missionaries to Madagascar. First, for those of you who may be new to us in the ministry in Madagascar, here's some information about our Big Red Island. Madagascar is the fourth largest island in the world. It is an African country, but it sits off the southeast coast of Africa. Madagascar is home to 18 to 20 indigenous people groups, or tribes, as well as several large immigrant people groups from the continents of Europe, Asia, and Africa. It's home to over 26 million people. While many people claim to be believers in Jesus, Madagascar is a synchronistic culture mixing animism like ancestor worship with Christian or Islamic faith. In 2014, God called us back into foreign missions. My husband and I were getting ready to turn 40 years old. So we packed up our teenage kids and started deputation. We finished deputation in 2017 and headed to France where we spent nine months learning one of the two languages that are used in Madagascar. When we arrived here in May of 2018, we spent the next year studying our second language and learning more about our new home and culture. In late 2019, we began to pray with another missionary family about venturing out together for our first church plant. We set a launch date in 2020, but then, as you know, COVID began making its way around the world and it wasn't long before it shut everything down in Madagascar. Our plans were to begin the church later on that year, however, we began to pray about how we could help the people in the area where we would plant the church during what we would later realize was only our first lockdown. It was April 2020. That month we received some surprise gifts. So our new ministry team got together and decided that because so many people were not able to work, we would do a food outreach. For three weeks, we gave away rice, beans, soap, and the gospel. People began to ask us, where is your church? We want to come. But the truth was, is we hadn't even started the church yet, but we took that as a prompting to start right away. We found a location to rent so we could meet, but after the first three weeks, we'd outgrown it. That's when God put us in contact with a school that has great facilities and they allowed us to begin meeting there. Once we made that transition to school, God began to bless and things really began to take off. People began to come, they had children, so we began a kids church. Things were going so well until the COVID cases began to rise again and we were shut down for a second time. We wanted to keep teaching the Malagasy people who God brought our way. Many didn't have access to internet or social media, so we went old school and we started a radio program. That went great, and when we were able to meet again, we discovered that we had a family who had heard us on the radio and they started coming as well. At that point, we had a few teenagers that were coming and we made a decision to start a Sunday morning youth time before regular service. Not only did our youth who were already attending the church come, but students from the English classes we teach in order to maintain our visas began to come as well. Then we realized that over 95% of our kids have no father in the home. They're being raised by single mothers. 
That's when I, along with four young ladies from our ministry team, began a ladies' ministry where the ladies receive extra teaching and they love it. Then COVID shut us down for a third time. But this time the shutdown was only on the weekends. So we began to meet during the week on Thursday and Friday at our partner's home. Once the third lockdown was lifted, we went back to having church on Sundays, but the students wanted to continue meeting during the week. So our ministry team began to pray that God would open a door for us to meet with our church students while also reaching unchurched teens and university age young adults in the area. In August, the head teacher at the school where we meet asked if we'd be willing to start some English clubs for our students. Bala and I and our team went home and drew up a plan for English clubs and when we presented the plan to her, we asked, Madame Fonza, since we're already at the school, can we have a Bible study for teens and young adults afterwards? Her response was, well, actually I was going to ask you if you would be willing to do a Bible club here during the week. So at the beginning of September, we launched Foundry Student Ministries. I teach but the students we have taken or are taking through the discipleship program are leading everything else on their own, reaching students from our area. It's our desire that we start student ministries like Foundry all over the capital city, filtering the young adults that we reach into our local churches. So to sum up the last four years of ministry, we have been in Madagascar for almost four years now. We learned French before coming here. We have learned Malagasy since being here, although we are not extremely fluent. We have planted a church, started a youth program that we want to see become a citywide outreach. We have taught three Malagasy young ladies how to run a large children's ministry. We have had the discipleship material we use translated into Malagasy. Malagasy people have been discipled and most are now discipling others. We have seen people say, God is doing amazing things all in this animistic culture. None of this could have happened without your prayers and support. As for the future, we have a vision for what we would like to accomplish long term. Madagascar is in desperate need of the gospel. The task is huge. Just as the children of Israel fought battles, we have fought some exhausting spiritual battles the last 40 years. Much like Canaan, there are spiritual giants in this land, but we do not want to wander in the wilderness because of our unbelief. We want to have faith that God will give us this big island which He's called us. As we continue to move forward, we ask that you be praying with us. At the end of this year, we'll be turning over our portion of the ministry to nationals to carry on. Then next year, we'll begin laying some groundwork to plant a second church in a different part of the city. The task is huge, but God is faithful. Just as Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. As we finish up, 
Let me say, over the last few years, we have seen God do much more than what we ever could have anticipated. A church was launched, people are hearing biblical teaching, and many hearing the Word of God for the very first time. People have been saved and baptized and have been taken through discipleship. This is not because of the longs. It's because of our faithful God and because of your faithful prayers and support. So we want to say thank you so much. Well, again, thank you. And I want to start out with, by showing our first picture. And I want to introduce uh, you to my ministry team, the team that Val and I uh, have have pulled together. God has brought us all together, and how we came together is through our very first English class that Val and I began to teach. Um, their mom approached us. They said, "Hey, my my daughters have been wanting to learn English. They already have studied a lot of English, and and uh, we I'd like to see if they could come because I heard that you guys teach English and and teach it for free. And so obviously we said yes. Of course, bring them on." And uh, so they, uh, they began to come to our English class, and things just began to roll from there. Uh, matter of fact, the, the first time I, I gave the gospel, I barely spoke any Malagasy. I speak some Malagasy. I speak good enough to where I can get around. My, one of my girls there tells me, you speak the right words, you just get them in the wrong order. Uh, but uh, I, I guess God began to melt us together as a team when... I wanted to, at the end of that particular class, wanted to share my testimony and give the gospel. And Kezia there on the end, on Vala's side, she translated for me for this class because they had, their English was so well. And so uh, we began to invite them over to our house and we began to build relationships. And Vala invited them to go through discipleship. And so Vala ta has taken the three sisters all the way through the discipleship. The one on the farthest side by Vala is Kezia. Uh, the one standing right next to Vala is Sarah. And then obviously there's Vala and I, Deacon, and then their sister, Rebecca, and then the other young lady on the far side, on my side, her name is Larissa, and uh, Kezia is discipling Larissa. But those, the three sisters came, and, uh, and they began... Uh, helping us and, and doing some different things, I began to share stories, not just Bible stories, but all kinds of stories, just to kind of practice uh, translating and, and making sure that what I was saying was being communicated in, in the correct way to, uh, to Malagasy people. And so, you know, as the video showed, when, when Dan and I, Pastor Dan uh, uh, Brown and myself, when we began to, uh, to plant that church... Uh, we started out with a, with a food outreach, and so that's when they first really began to help us in ministry. Now, I want to tell you, these girls have become uh, my daughters, um, and that is with their parents' blessing. They actually live with us and, and have lived with us because of the COVID outbreak. Uh, myself and my son, we were high risk for COVID because I have uh, high blood pressure and, uh, and then Deacon uh, is diabetic, and so we had to be very careful about exposure. And so how they actually came to live with us is I, I said, listen, you know, you guys help us, you work with us. Uh, we're going to take care of you the best we can uh, if you stay at your house. 
um, or you can come and stay here, but because of when COVID comes to your neighborhood, the going back and forth will have to stop, and so COVID did go into their neighborhood, and so actually all four of them uh, began to stay with us and live with us, and I got to be honest with you, I'm really not ready to be an empty nester, and I don't think they're going anywhere, and that's that's totally fine with me. Um, uh, I love these girls. They call me daddy. They call Val and mama, and uh, uh, the Malagasy word for is Ryamandrani. And as a matter of fact, uh, Sarah is going to be getting married in the next year. And one of the first uh, things that has to happen in order to get married, in order for her to get married, is her fiance and, and Sarah has to present, uh, do a formal presentation to the parents. Uh, about what their plans are, what their intentions are, and their mother and father said, you are Ryan and Draney, you are their parents, you need to be there with us. And so, uh, and so they are our, our family, they are our girls, and I have no qualms about saying my girls, and Vala has no problem saying these are my girls. And uh, so anyway, they are ministry team. Sarah uh, the oldest daughter, she will, she will be our children's minister when we start back next year. Kezia does most of my translating for young adults and adult ministries. Uh, Rebecca also does translating, but she really works well with babies, and so she will work with uh, babies and young children when we start this next year. As a matter of fact, she's training to be a midwife, and so that kind of fits her. And then Larissa, once she's... Uh, uh, finished with discipleship, we will see where she fits in in ministry. Right now, she does a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff uh, with uh, with the church that we just uh, parted with, or at, we're being sent out of, and I'll tell you about that a little bit later. But this is our ministry team. Let me go to the next slide, if you would. So, as you heard in the video, uh, this whole church thing started because of of COVID, we had a timeline, and that timeline got moved up uh, very quickly. Um, Dan and I were talking about a certain area where we would do ministry, and uh, and 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 we began to pray. But we also realized they our people in this area were really struggling because there was all kinds of money coming in as foreign aid, but it was not getting to the people. People couldn't work, and because they couldn't work, they couldn't eat. And so we said, hey, let's, let's do a, an outreach with rice, beans, and soap, as you saw in the video. Go ahead and go to that next uh, video. Um, because of this outreach, this lady in the black, her name is Tahiti. She was the very first person that actually came to the church when we started it. And this is a story I want to tell you about Tahiti to, to, to show you about life change. Uh, Tahiti began coming to the church, and within just the first week or so, she accepted Jesus as her Savior. Tahiti's son, Nanji, our son, her husband, Nanji Anan, uh, did not like that. Um, he comes from a different Protestant background, even though he never goes to church. He kept telling her, you need to go to, they use all the initials FKJM, you need to go to the FKJM church if you want to go to church. But uh, Nanji Anan is an alcoholic. He beats her. He is very, very abusive to her. And we would pray with her. Uh, uh, Rachel, the other, guy, the other missionary's wife, would uh, begin to disciple her. And this guy, man, he just did not like it. Well, uh, Tahiti got pregnant. 
and uh, it was not a good pregnancy for her. It was not an easy pregnancy for her. Go ahead and go to that next slide. Um, uh, Tahiti, uh, uh, he would, again, he would smack her around a little bit. He would, you know, because she worked and, and, and when he wanted drinking money, he would take it from her. Um, but uh, she, just, she just carried on trying to be faithful and the missionaries. There was a couple times, guys, I'm going to tell you, I'm not that nice of a guy. And there was a couple times that I was like, hey, maybe I should go talk to this guy, even though I don't know how well that would have went over. Um, go ahead and go to the next slide. So this was the turnaround in Nanjianan's life. Uh, the baby came. And uh, I'll never forget, Val and I were with Sarah and one of the girls that Sarah was discipling. We were having lunch, and all of a sudden, Val gets a call. It's, it's uh, Rachel, the missionary's wife, and she says, Val, is there anything you can do? We have a special relationship with a German missionary lady that has a birthing hospital. Is there anything you do? The baby is too big. Uh, that she's been in labor for a long time, and they're 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 literally getting on top of her, trying to push this baby out. And and Vala made a call to to Tanya, the German missionary, and said, "Hey, could you fit this lady in?" That totally goes against all the rules that she sets up because of so many complications. She normally says, "You have to begin your your doctoring here for the pregnancy, but I will make an exception this time." And so we got permission for. The, for uh, Tahiti to, to come over, but her husband was so hard-headed, and those doctors were so proud. She needed a C-section, but they said, no, we can do this, and so Nanjianan made the decision to stay there, and so those doctors and another midwife got on top of Tahiti and pushed that baby out and crushed its skull. So when the baby came, he was alive, but for the first eight hours, he was stiff as a board, screaming at the top of his lungs because he was in nothing but pain. And so finally, Nanjianan and his hard-headedness, he said, okay, well, maybe we could go over to the hospital. So again, Tanya graciously allowed us to bring this baby over there and she said, all we can do outside of God doing a miracle right now is make him comfortable. And again, Nanjianan was not understanding the seriousness of the situation. The, the next day, uh, me and myself and our girls went over to do a hospital visit and to take some food. Hospitals there don't provide food like our hospitals do here. And so we went over there and Nanjianan was like, hey, so I need... I need you to find out when we can take this baby home because I, I've got to go back to work. And I just finally said, you, the Malagasy way is you got to go around this long road to tell somebody something. But I just had to be straightforward. I said, I told Kezzy, I said, Kez, I've got to tell him a hard truth and I need you to tell him the exact words that I'm going to say. And that is very un-Malagasy. But she said, okay. I said, Nanjinan, quite frankly, this baby's not going to go home. If you take this baby home right now, he will have big pain until he dies. And so I guess that was good enough, and, and they stayed. The next day was Sunday, and, uh, and Val and I were on our way before church. We needed to bring them uh, breakfast, and so we were on our way when we got the call from Dan that said, hey, the baby's died. You need to get to the hospital as quick as you could. So... 
I get to the hospital and I can hear crying out, Aizen uh, Izanaku, which is, where's my baby? And uh, I went in there and we just, I, Val and I wrapped our arms around her and you know, the, the missionary, the German missionary did a great job helping that lady. I said, listen, I will, I will be back in an hour. I've got to take Vala and our team over to church because the church still has to go on. Then I will come back. I will get you and the baby and I will take you home because they have to bury the baby with the, the day of. So I did, and, uh, and uh, Rachel actually came with me, and Rachel and I had to, because they had beat her up so bad, pushing that baby out, had to carry her up to her house. And uh, later that day, they went, and they went and buried the baby. Now, this is a sad story, and I hate that that baby had to die, but that was the turning point for Nanjianan. And I want to tell you, he's, he's still not accepted Christ, but he is getting closer and closer and closer. And go ahead and go to that next picture. He has begun to show up at church every week and stay faithful under the preaching of God's Word. And I know that it is just a matter of time when he finally puts all the stuff away. He fancies himself to be a tough guy, a Bruce Lee uh, but I know there's, uh, there, it, it's just a matter of time till he puts all that stuff aside and asks Christ to come into his life. None of that would have happened without your support. That is life change right there. And it's because, because of not just Phil and Val and Dan and Rachel Brown. It's because of all of our supporting churches that make that stuff happen. They would, if, if we weren't there... They would still go on. He might have killed her by now. Thank you. Let's go to the next picture, if you would. This is, uh, this is my buddy, Fitain. Fitain is a, a, a product of our English class. And I'll tell you why. When, when we first got into that new uh, school where we were able to grow, Fitain is a super, super intelligent kid. And uh, the head teacher at that school kind of somehow found out about Fitain. His dad is a, a, a drunk, like a, a lot of Malagasy men. His dad is a drunk. He lives in a one-room hovel. Not a one-bedroom, a one-room hovel. You know, uh, toilets, showers, all that stuff is a lot of times community or shared. But this head teacher uh, found out that this kid was gifted. And so she invited him to come and study at the school for free. And one of his responsibilities for studying at the school is she made him the gate boy. You know, he would open the gate when cars would come in. So every Sunday when we began to meet there, I would go stand at the gate to greet people. And I would practice my Malagasy on Fitain. And Fitain would go and practice his English on me. And one day, Fitain uh, said, Hey, uh, uh, would you teach me English? And I said, Well... Vala and I and Pastor Danielle, we teach English at a school around the corner, and we'd love to have you. He said, how much does it cost? I said, well, it doesn't cost anything. It's free. And, and so Fitain began to uh, come to uh, our English class, and, uh, and so he began to study digital. Every week I'm inviting him to come and listen to the preaching of Pastor Danielle because it's in Malagasy, and he'll be able to get something. And he would, he would always just blow me off. He would never come. Well, after that second lockdown, uh, we, because of that radio program, we had some teens coming, and so I wanted to start a youth program uh, before the main service. Uh, so, I, so I started a youth Sunday school program, and, and I went to the English class, and I passed out flyers uh, 
uh, and to all of our students, all, especially our university and younger uh, students. And, and so the very next day, Fitain comes. I start in Genesis because these kids have no biblical background. And this is Fitain's question the first day after I'm starting there in Genesis. He says, so does the Bible say that God created the sun and the moon and the stars? He says, it sure does. And if you come back next week, you're going to hear about it. We were teaching the Word of God. That was my desire as a missionary, to be able to introduce, not just introduce Jesus, but introduce the Word of God to people for the very first time. And here I was. I thought I'd, I was going to have to go out to the bush to do this, but here I am in, in the middle of the, of the capital, and I'm getting to introduce the Word of God to people for the very first time. And Fitain has not missed a service since. Fitain got saved. Go ahead and go to the next uh, picture. There he is in our our uh, English club, and I think the next one is the next one of him getting baptized. Go ahead and go to the, the next one. There he is getting baptized. This young man most likely will be the first preacher to come out of this ministry. He's already, he's already excited. When we came back from camp, he, he literally, we were doing testimonies. He didn't do a testimony. He preached a sermon and then took an invitation and got nervous because he didn't know how to do an invitation, so he turned it over to Dan, and Dan had to do the invitation, and some people accepted Jesus. Um, This kid has so much potential. Church family, there's a life change because of your investment. Let's go to the next slide. This is Numena. Numena is a product of the English class, but Numena never came to the English class. His uncle is the head teacher at the school where we were teaching English, and his uncle would come to our English class. And, uh, and so that day that I passed out those flyers inviting to, uh, students to my new Sunday school, uh, he, I, he saw it. He's obviously too old for the Sunday school class, but you know, obviously he's always invited to the church. Well, the next day... He comes in, uh, this head teacher comes into class. I was like, hey, great, he's coming to church for the first time, but he's got this boy, Numena, in tow with him. I think, you know, he's, well, he's bringing his son or whatever, but no. He, he comes up to me, he says, this is my nephew, Numena. He needs this. And then he turned around and left. <laughs> so, so Numena started coming. He, he came the first week by himself. Go ahead and go to the next slide, please. And then he brought his little brother. The next slide, please. And then he brought his little sister, and they have come faithful for you know the entire time, the two years that uh, that we have had the church. Go to the next one. I can't remember if uh, that's a this is a different story. So, um, uh, but now uh, I, I thought there was going to be a picture of of Numena and his whole family because his whole family are now coming to church. His mother has accepted Jesus, and I just got a text from one of my girls. Uh, telling that who took over our ministry there at the church, telling me that uh, Numena's mom will be getting baptized at the end of the month. Church family, this is life change because of your investment. This is a whole family's life change because of your investment. This is my Christina. Christina came to us with orange hair because Christina doesn't get to eat. She is kept that way on purpose, or at least she had been kept that way on purpose because her mama sends her out to beg, and, and you know, obviously if the kid's fat, you know, they're probably going to bring in less money. Christina has two sisters who are not like that, 
um, who are not malnourished because they are prostitutes. Um, they are young teenage girls, uh, maybe the oldest one, maybe in their inner 20s. And I remember trying to invite them to the youth group. And, you know, like I told you, Malagasy, they're not very direct. They want to do this circle. And I'd ask my girls, What's, why, are, why are they have more meat on their bones? They're not fat, but why do they look more healthy? And my girls kept saying, well, they're not good girls. They're not good girls. And I kept having to be, try to be direct. Are they prostitutes? And then my girls wouldn't say anything. And so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's exactly what they were. Christina, if I had my way, she would be living at my house. She's my little girl. Um, she is a tiny, skinny little thing. But she, uh, she doesn't have orange hair anymore because Pastor Phil made, made it known that I don't like that. Go to the next slide. One day I show up on visitation, and Christina, who is normally smiling like she was in the picture before, uh, she wasn't smiling, and she looked quite sad. And I, I said, hey, Christina, what's, what's, going, what's wrong? Why are you sad? And she said, I am so hungry. So I grabbed her by the hand, and I took her to a little, we call them kinkeries, a little, sh little grocery shop on the side of the road, and I bought her some yogurts and got her a spoon, and I brought her back to my truck because I was afraid if I sent her back into the neighborhood, somebody, uh, mainly her mom, would take that from her. So I had her sit in my truck and eat that. And while I'm there, uh, Christina's sisters show up, and, some, and one of the Zukis, a Zuki means elder or grandma lady, showed up, and, and it, we were talking. And, and then this disgusting stray dog is what I call him sometimes comes and he wanted to let Pastor Phil know that he was in charge and so he walked past me and he walked up to Christina and he made a vulgar sexual gesture to her. He wanted to let me know he was in charge of that area. I don't like that. So I did not hurt him but I removed him from that area and sent him on down the road and let him know that I'm the one in charge, and she is my girl. And those two little prostitute girls look at that guy and they go, you better watch out. That's our pastor. Church family, when I was in Kansas City, I've had NFL current and former NFL players call me pastor. I've had CEOs and owners of big companies call me pastor. I had a lot of different kind of people call me pastor, but I have never been more proud than when those two little prostitute girls said, that's our pastor. Christina gets to come and listen to the Word of God every week. And those two little prostitutes have been showing up every week. And we are beginning to see life change. Why? Because you have been faithful with your investment in missions in Madagascar. Let's go to the next slide. This is Vala's girl. She's my girl too, but this is Vala's girl, Vanya. You saw her before laying on Vala's lap. Is that next picture her laying on Vala's lap? Go ahead and show that. During the, during the, uh, the confinement, this fella 
one of them stray dogs I was telling you about coaxed her into his house with food and hurt her. Her mom is a prostitute as well. And so Pastor Dan and I got a call about this and we started to get involved. You want to talk about defund the police? Well, we know what defund the police is. We had to pay the police to come and take the guy and then they didn't come and so then my partner Dan had to actually go pick them up in his car and bring them back to the neighborhood and they arrested the guy and then he had to give them a ride back to the jail and the more the story is laid out I don't know if he coaxed her or if her mama sold her but the point is that she's hurt she's pretending like she's asleep on Bala's lap, but she's not. She's, she's trying to act like she's passed out so she doesn't have to go home, and we actually had to pick her up. But she has been, she has a safe place every Sunday to come to church. She hears God's Word every Sunday. And I don't know if her mom did that, or if that man did that on his own. But that mom, that, who is a prostitute, who was a prostitute, has been coming to our church. And I don't know that she has confessed Jesus as her Lord, but she's sitting under the preaching and teaching of God's Word. She has since, uh, she has since then um, found a legitimate job. And that little girl who was not going to school before... Matter of fact, um, we had a, a coming to Jesus meeting because I helped buy some school supplies. Or I should say, we helped buy some school supplies so she could go to school. And one day I got a call from one of the principals, the head teacher at the school, saying, Bonnie's not been to school. And so me and our girls went down there. And, and uh, yes, we made, her, we made Vanya's mom cry. But she understood that Vanya is going to be in school. And so now when I go back in the neighborhood and it's a school day, or I think it's a school day and Vanya is not at school, I say in English, why aren't you in school? And Vanya's mom doesn't speak a bit of English, but she knows what I'm asking. And so she comes up, there's no school today, I promise. But we're beginning to see life change. And hopefully this circle of sin will be broken because you've been faithful to make sure that missionaries get to go there. Can we go to the next slide? This is uh, our church family. I believe this is our church family, the, our last Sunday that, uh, that we were there. Um, you know, in just two years, uh, God has blessed, church has grown, and um, people have been saved, they've been discipled, and nationals have taken over our portion of the ministry. Go to that next slide. This is what I want to talk to you about the future. If you, as long as you continue, and, and God will take care of us, but I just want to kind of share where your investment is going from here. I'm a runner. Uh, I run uh, past the airport at least every day uh, in the morning, but many times I'll do a second run in the afternoon, and when I do a run in the afternoon, it is, it is not... Um, uncommon for there to be 20 kids running behind me um, and they, they always go angina, angina, which means faster, faster, but I'm getting too old to go faster. Um, 
But, you know, when we first started seeing kids, I'm sold on kids' ministry. Um, when we first started seeing kids and nothing was going on, which, by the way, I, I, I told the teens this earlier, it's just common ground here in the United States, at, at least in our Baptist churches, that we have kids' ministry, kids' Sunday school. There, it just, that's a completely, and I had no idea that was a new concept until we started the radio program, and I had Sarah telling the stories we were writing, and they're like, hey, this is great, nobody does this here. Um, when we go back, we're going to start right here, because I look at, at these kids, and I think this is opportunity wasted. If I run past here every day, I see these kids every day, I get to take pictures with these kids every day, and yet I don't invest the gospel into these kids and when you invest what we've seen at our other churches when you invest in the kids it's a door into the home and then the parents come in and it's our church that we've helped start here is living proof that that when uh that when you get a hold of people this circle of sin that they're in they begin to when they get saved, they begin to make completely different decisions, and that, that circle of sin that, that they stay in breaks. You know, I've, I've, the first time I ran in Madagascar, uh, I ran past these kids, and, uh, and some of these, you know, they make fun of you because you're a big, and I'm not a skinny guy. And, and they're not used to people my size, and so they're making, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm obese, but they're making, you know, like I'm some you know, Kool-Aid man running down the road. And so, you know, I, I, the first time uh, I do what any mature 41-year-old pastor, 42-year-old pastor would do, I smacked my belly and made the woot-woot sound. And one kid, it scared him to death. He ran off screaming, but the other two kids thought it was funny. And so that was kind of how I began to attract the, attract the crowds. But yeah, our, our next term, my, our... Uh, motto is is going to be no opportunity wasted and this is where we're going to start down by the airport oh it's it's about two miles from from where i i live and we're going to start and we're going to uh the two biggest outreaches that we have done that we've seen success with is, is our english classes and children's ministry um i was back in a neighborhood one time and you probably got my video on this i, I it was very apparent that people we're not comfortable with this big foreigner in their neighborhood. And so um, I just decided I'm going to tell a simple story. And I asked these kids, I said, hey, do you like stories? Oh, yes, we like stories. You want to hear a story? Yes. I said, well, if you go get 10 kids, I will tell you a story. So it was like fly to the bumblebee with these kids running around. Finally, I think they brought you know 10 or 11 kids. And I just told them the three bears. And at the end of the three bears, Goldilocks does this screamy thing, and, and the kids jump, and, and then they laugh and stuff. And I end up doing that twice in that neighborhood. And the second time, I had parents and adults sitting listening to me tell the story of the three bears. Over the next three weeks, we had 25 first-time guests, and most of them stayed, after, stayed continued to go to the church afterwards. Um, this is this is where ministry's at. This is what works, and this is our vision to begin planting these churches. Uh, and so, when we go back, we're going to use so we can instill in the church that we just planted this DNA of reproducing yourself. We're going to go back there, and they're going to have a sending service for our team 
So that way it's, it's them sending us to start this church and hopefully they'll continue to send people out and that's going to be what our vision is as well as we start this next church to be a church that sends people out to start churches until we reach this island. And we do that because of your faithfulness and your investment in Madagascar. So again, I thank you. I ask you to keep praying for us. Pray for us in three ways. Uh, first of all, pray for our church that we've just planted that the national stay focused and motivated to continue on in the ministry. Uh, they're new to this. Many of them have never been involved in any type of ministry before. And I've got to be honest with you, they're doing great. They're doing great at it. But the other thing I want to ask you to pray with, and, and quite honestly, I'm scared to death about this. I don't know where we're going to meet. I need you to be praying that God would open a place for us to... And I, it doesn't have to have a, a roof. I've been preaching outside for the past two and a half years. It, that does not bother me. I just want a place where we can say to people, this is where we are going to meet. So would you pray not only for our people at our church that we just started, but would you pray that God would show us where it is that He wants us to begin to meet so that way when we go do our outreaches, we have a place to say, this Sunday, this is, this is where we're going to be at. And then the last thing I want you to pray about is this. Would you pray that more church planting missionaries come? I don't know why nobody else is coming, but they aren't. Um, there, there is so much work there to do that there is no way that the handful of church planting missionaries... We have all kinds of missionaries there, but most of them are medical and aviation missionaries. Very few, and I'm not saying independent Baptist missionaries. I'm talking about of any stripe. AG, Southern Baptist, there are very few church planting missionaries on this island, yet there are so many people who are hungry for the Word of God. You pray for us in those three ways, and I want to assure you that we are going to continue to pray for you. Thank you so much for everything you've done, Pastor, if you would.